Welcome to Growth Untold, the podcast where we dive into thoughtful conversations and insightful discussions with world-class people, all with the aim of inspiring, educating, and empowering our listeners. We are thrilled to have you here with us on this exciting journey to explore the diverse stories and the ideas that have the power to shape the world for the better. Welcome to Growth Untold, the podcast. All right, Growth Untold listeners, brace yourself because today we're diving deep into the world of branding with none other than the mastermind behind one of the most influential fitness brands of our generation, Gymshark. Here's a man who knows how to make waves and build brand magic through powerful storytelling. From the empowering Deload initiative spotlighting mental health and wellness to the breathtaking Every Strong Belongs Out of Home billboard campaign starring the captivating Leanna Deeb. Charismatic, creative, and always on the cutting edge, welcome Gymshark's chief brand officer, Noel Mack. Damn, that was that was some intro, man. I feel, I feel embarrassed now. <laughs> <laughs> embarrassed? Oh, God. We don't want the intro to make you feel embarrassed. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. It's an honor, man. Thank you guys for having me. This is an exciting conversation. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. So, obviously, you know, Gymshark um, is such a massive part of the conversation. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk to you about your journey in marketing, your journey in branding. You started Rebrand in 2008. So, you know, you spent a lot of time in branding and marketing before you got to Gymshark. Talk to me a little bit about that and also your your upbringing and, and when you realized that branding and marketing was going to be such a good part of your life really really happened by accident i was a, i was a a budding musician i was that kid at school that was uh always playing guitar and piano and anything i could kind of get my hands on i went to university in the uk uh to a to a, a place that spawned a lot of like stars and some some big names and uh, when i was there there was a particular module on marketing in the music industry and man i fell in love with it i thought it was so interesting the way the way record labels and the music industry would like shape and coerce the way they introduced an artist to the market was just like absolutely blew me away so like i think that's where the love and me and me kind of realizing that marketing and like brand building was something i was interested in that's kind of where it kicked off but i didn't do anything with it because i was trying to make it as like a producer and all this kind of stuff and that that career sort of uh built up to a point where i was in i was in a room with one of your uh one of your toronto native homies drake doing some doing some stuff together which was a wild glitch in the matrix and then so this was before drake was like what he is now this was early drake yeah but not early the way you guys would know him early do you know what i mean like comeback season early it wasn't that early it was a little bit after that he started to kind of make it in the uk uh so we did some stuff and then i happened to make some money and then from there it was like damn because we grew up in a very very like working class background and i always had this excuse of like Oh, once you've got money, it's easy to make more. And then all of a sudden I found I had some money and I was like, well, shit, I better try and make some more then. So uh, me and a friend started the company that you talked about before. And basically I was like, well, that marketing stuff that I picked up on at university, I'd love to try and do some more with that. Like it's almost like the day job while I'm still trying to do this music thing. And it just so happened that that then started to take off. And we were taking, honestly, again, still stealing techniques from the music, the music industry. Like there's a band in the UK at the time called the Arctic Monkeys. I don't know how aware you guys are of them. But of course. Like, yeah, man, I was in love with the story that 
they'd had sellout gigs long before they got signed because they'd built like this community of fans on MySpace and this was like early, early days, right? So this idea of like building communities online through social media was like, was revolutionary to me. And I was trying to convince companies and clients that this was the way to do it and no one listened, but some people listened. And then it just so happened that one day, um, Ben, who founded Gymshark, came to see me and was like, yeah, no, I've, I've seen what you do. That's cool, man. I, I want to do that too. So Gymshark were a client at first. And then as you can imagine, it, it all kind of went from there. Wow. That's amazing. So it literally was your side hustle before it became your full-time, like, this is this is what you do. Yeah, sort of. You know, like, I mean, man, you made it to the upper echelons of, you know what I mean, like A-list world, but I'm sure you know a bunch of people who are just kind of placing a few bets on a few different things. You know I mean? We all know that guy in LA who's a movie director, a songwriter, a producer, an actor, you know what I mean? He does all of the above, but then one of them happens to pop off for them. Do you know what I mean? And I kind of feel like it was a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm like that too, man. I mean, you kind of, I feel like you kind of have to be nowadays. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like that too. I have a gin company, uh, uh, like a London, uh, Indian dry gin, but it's made in the London dry method. Um, you know, I have a production company as well. So I, I get that. I get that. You kind of get have a, a bunch of things going at the same time. I love it, man. Look at, look at like Ryan Reynolds, right? Like he's like, he's doing it at the top of the industry. Do you know what I'm saying? He's doing it across the board. He's still doing it. So yeah, it's definitely a valid thing to do. But yeah, rather than like main hustle and side hustle, I kind of see like that. I was just placing bets and seeing what jumped off. That's a really good way to think about it. I like that. Yeah. Um, Noel, you said something really interesting earlier that you, you were trying to convince people about engaging in online communities and, um, and you have such a passion for social media. It seems like Gymshark was actually one of the first brands, in my honest opinion, as somebody who's a who's a marketer that actually invested in micro influencers and people online. Where did this this passion come from? Where did this all come from of pushing online communities to companies? Well, it, the whole thing was born out of online communities before Gymshark and before you saw any kind of fitspos and influencers, or as they call them now, online. What you had first was this forum called Bodybuilding.com where yeah. people would just hang out. And you guys remember the days of forums, right? Like, I was on all sorts of geeky forums, but like there was like certain users on those forums that were always online. They were always contributing loads. Like those guys were the influencers of forums. Do you know what I'm saying? You didn't know who they were. They were Dave Toronto 103 or whatever their stupid handle was. Do you know what I'm saying? But they were like these power users on forums. Those were the early iterations of influencers. So long before there was any of this, there was bodybuilding.com, which was the, the, the home of online fitness. Ben, our founder, was just a 19-year-old kid who was kind of quiet and the kind of nerdy kid in class trying to get his arms a little bit bigger. So he was hanging out on there trying to trying to figure out how to get bigger and all that kind of stuff. Got to talking to some of these like power users, if you want to call them that, who were making, who had done some YouTube explainer videos at the time and these videos were getting like a thousand views, which again, back then was a lot of, do you know what I'm saying? Um, everybody now with a million views has got an agent and they're wearing sunglasses indoors and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, in those early days, like Ben was just sending them, sending some product out to these guys and saying, "Hey, it'd be dope if you wore this 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 string of vest that I made." Do you know what I'm saying? And then they did, and there's a couple of those sold, and so on and so forth. And it's really, really organic. Like I'd love to sit here and tell you that we got a whiteboard out and went, "Okay, guys, I think we've just invented a whole new form of marketing." Do you know what I mean? That is not what happened. The thing was so organic. It was, "Oh, wouldn't that be cool?" Oh, that seemed to work well. Let's do some more of that. Before you know it, we're sitting in front of you with like one of the most revered influencer marketing teams and strategies in the world and one of the most powerful social media presences in the world right we've got 4.9 million followers on tiktok versus nike's 4.8 million we've got something like 80 million likes and 11 
1.2 billion views on hashtag Gymshark on TikTok. So that that early ad adoption of social media has obviously paid dividends because now it means we're punching way above our weight compared to some of the biggest, most recognizable brands on the planet. So it was right place, right time. It was also using a strategy that maybe the bigger companies didn't even know was a strategy, right? And maybe you guys didn't even know it was a strategy. It was kind of just like, it was the perfect storm, essentially. 100%. And like the, the, I, was, I was giving a keynote two days ago and, and I'll give you the stupid analogy that I used there. It was like, if the aim of the game, right, was for me to beat up Floyd Mayweather, guess what? I'm definitely, definitely not going to box with him, right? That would be a terrible idea. I'm going to have to figure something else out, right? I'm going to have to get Mina to run up behind him and hit him over the head or something and then get Alex to run him over with the, in the, with the car. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I can't box with you <laughs> idea. So equally, to your point, when you're going up against some of the biggest brands in the world and trying to make a dent, I'm not going to go for, I'm not going to have a pound for pound marketing war against them. I'm not going to beat their product innovation. You've got to figure something else out. Do you know what I mean? Thankfully, influencers, Instagram, Facebook groups back when it was that forums, TikTok, that was the, that was the getting you to hit them over the head. And like you say, we managed to build a business worth 1.4 billion under their nose. So that's interesting that you say that because yeah, you're right. Like if you try to beat them at their own game, they're gonna, they're gonna kill you. Like they have so much more money than you. They're bigger than you. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Apple AirPods is a great example of that, right? When you think before the AirPods came along, you had these huge companies Beats, Sennheiser, Bose, whatever else. And they're all competing over marginal gains, right? More base, more battery life, more high fidelity, whatever, right? And I think Apple have looked at it from a real human point of view. It looked at what they're offering and gone, but that's not the problem with wireless headphones. The problem isn't more base. The problem is settings, Bluetooth, pair, hold down the thing. Is it pair? Is it not? Is it switched off? They're so huge. They, exactly. So they solved that problem instead, the weird Bluetooth connection thing. The sound quality, ironically, was the same as the free ones they gave you in the box. Do you know what I'm saying? So the game that those guys were playing, they didn't even try and play that game. They gave you like kind of lower quality sound, to be honest with you, but they solved the real human truth and the real issue. And I'm sure you've seen this stat that if AirPods was its own company, it'd be something like one of the most, well, the 10th most valuable tech company in the world or something like that. The numbers are absolutely incredible. Damn. And again, it's just, it goes back to that exact same thing of not playing the game the way others have played it. Because if you play that game, you're going to lose 10 times out of 10. That's funny. Damn, I, I yeah. haven't heard of that. Yeah, that's that's a, it's interesting to them. No, I was uh I was reading somewhere that uh, when you look at Beats headphones, when you look at things like that, and you see everybody buying it, it's not because it's, it's an incredible sound um, or superior product in that sense of utility and offering that to the people who buy it. Noel, to your point, it's actually you buy it for two reasons. You want to signal that you have good yeah. taste and you're affluent and you are keeping up with the trends and they've like manufactured this urgency in the market of people saying i gotta buy this this is gonna make me look cool when i wear this to the gym oh my goodness everybody's gonna be checking me out in my gym shark stringer and my gym shark clothes yeah winning combination there but also but also i gotta say i'll tell you my story of, of when i bought my first gym shark gear and it wasn't that long ago honestly um because you know yeah i just so I was looking for stringers and I couldn't find any at all on the market that I liked and especially from a reputable company. And, you know, I was I was putting on some size and I was feeling really good about the way I looked. So I was, man, I gotta get some stringers. Like I just want some stringers. <laughs> and and Jim Stark had like great options, reputable company. And that was my first time going online and, and buying stuff from Gymshark. But I think that's kind of a great example of what you just talked about because 
I, dude, I went and looked. I looked on Nikeo. I looked on the competitors and they didn't have strainers. Like they just didn't even have them. And so I was like, that's that's a great example where you guys took that and were like, let's run with this. Or I, you tell me if I'm wrong, but let's run with this. No one else is really doing this. So let's make sure we have this in catalog. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, I feel like the gym culture thing was... The best example I can give you to try and put it for anybody who isn't aware of Gymshark or anybody who hasn't faced that same thing that you're talking about, Mina, is like when the skateboard brands first came around, right? The the Stussies, um, Pata, etc. Like skateboarding was this underground thing which like wasn't really understood. It certainly wasn't acknowledged by the big brands of the world. Do you know what I mean? And they were the first brands that came along and stood up to that community and said, "Hey, we represent you." And now look what that's done, right? And that's given way to Supreme and Kith and all these things that have come downstream after that. I think in the same way, when we started Gymshark, you had the like sports brands over here doing what they do, and obviously they're amazing at that, right? Then you had like these Venice Beach like lifting things which is like these huge dudes right and you had this community in the middle people like who were in the exact moment that you just talked about been to the gym put some size on and you kind of look over there and go but i'm not that i'm not a sports person but equally i'm not that i'm not the venice beach arnold schwarzenegger looking dude i'm this other thing in the middle it's kind of like a hyper between the two and jim Sharp was the first man that stood up and went yo we represent you do you know what i'm saying so yeah it was born out of culture and born out of that exact human truth that you just sort of identified and shout out to the United Kingdom as well, because uh, like I said, I've spent some decent time there and I will say the UK gets on trends, certain trends before anyone else in the world, like boxing, for example. Yeah. Like the UK understands boxing. They love boxing. I think the UK is, is one of the, the greatest markets for boxing in the world. Like everybody else now loves boxing, but in like the UK, like the UK has loved boxing before before anyone else um you know you guys just got certain trends that you get on before anyone else i think music is a big thing in the uk that that music takes off in the uk before everyone else so i do think there's probably an advantage there as well is that the uk is really in tune with some trends before they blow up worldwide yeah for real just to switch gears here, just to talk a little bit more about gymshark um mm -hmm. and this, this podcast growth and told also is about highlighting and celebrating diversity and diverse voices um and you know mina and i noticed jim shark is really a market leader in that approach and not only racial diversity and ethnic diversity from liana deeb uh out of home billboard campaign um it's beyond that it's about like inclusivity of mental health um the whole deloading campaign huge fan of that like i i was always a fan of deloading in the gym even though i hated doing that at the time when i was a powerlifter i hated it. i was like no. i don't want to deload um but in this particular use case, you made it something where people can rally behind and fall in love with a popular gym cultural um, narrative that's about going the opposite of hustle porn and taking a step back, relaxing, right? So um, maybe can you just walk us through the evolution of Gymshark uh, historical state? All about, you know, maybe stringers and you just create that beautiful Venn diagram of sports, Venice Beach culture. Um, like that historical state to where you guys are today with this beautiful purpose-driven company. Um, that's, you Man, know. What a, what a question. How the, that, is a, that is a, first of all, let me big shout out to Alex, right? Because so many people would miss the deload reference in there. I'm so glad that you identified it. So for anybody who doesn't know, this is a common thing in like the bodybuilding, powerlifting world, whatever else. And in fact, Alex, you tell us, tell us what's involved in a deload week. 
Yeah, uh, back in my powerlifting and bodybuilding days, basically the I think the term of deload means that you have to take time off because you take two steps back uh, to get a couple steps forward, right? You have to relax the joints, the muscles, take some time off, lifting lighter to attack it the next cycle. Is that, is that what it means? Is that yep. what you... Spot yeah. on, man. Or, or to, to take it really succinctly, right? Take a weight off. So you can imagine when a brand like ours, we want to approach that brief of mental health and we want to figure out a way and an umbrella and a term that we can, I don't know, we can try and own in when it comes to all things, taking a break, taking a step back. When one of our creative team, Chaz, the creative team, came up with the idea of deload, I thought, that's so good. It's so amazing. Again, literally the idea of taking a weight off as in stripping the weight off the bar, but still doing it but not doing the weights you would normally press or, you know, squat or whatever else it might be. It was so perfect for what what we wrapped up as, um, what we wrapped up into our mental health campaign. And deloads, deloads like, a, it's like an umbrella term for everything we do. We kind of figured out early on that mental health and physical health are really, really linked. Some of the most shredded, in shape, aspirational physiques I know, when you talk to them and say, wow, you look amazing. So many of them say, yeah, but I only got into this because it, it helped me it helped the way I think and helped me deal with my job or my the casting calls I was going to and I wasn't getting any I wasn't booking any gigs or anything like that like and I was going to the gym because it helped me do you know what I mean um and it and like the, the physique and all the other stuff was just like a happy byproduct of that do you know what I mean there's a there's a common meme or a common thing you might have seen on there online which is go up to the biggest guy in the gym and say who hurt you bro do you know what I mean because the whole reason is <laughs> because he's like mentally messed up so when we realized that was a real thing for our consumers like well obviously we need to try and have a have a hand in this mental health thing then um and then deload was a was a theme and we activated it in a certain way and it did well it did okay but the, the time where deload really hit its stride was when again I, I talked earlier about apple unlocked that huge business opportunity and that human truth with the airpods we try and base everything we do in like real human truths and the human truth that we uncovered was the fact that men and obviously men's mental health in particular is a particularly sensitive subject there's some like horrendous statistics about you know male suicide and some really horrible stuff like that so we wanted to help and we heard this statistic that men are and i think this is more of a british thing than an american thing but men are more likely to share their problems with their barber than their therapist right and every that thing that you two just did there that nod is the same nod i've got from everybody who have repeated that line to right which is that's one of those moments where if you're a marketer you go oh man i'm onto something here do you know what i mean that really resonates so we uh we opened the do barbershop in london where we had barbers that were trained in you know as mental health professionals and we encourage men to come down get a cut get a skin fade whatever else and talk about their life and man the 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 noise that made the 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 way that was adopted the way people shared that message the messages we got in so like there was we had I want to be anonymous with this on purpose, but we had like a woman get involved and say, sorry, uh, drop us a message and say, guys, I just want to thank you for what you did. We live nowhere near London. My husband didn't come to the barbershop, any, any of that stuff, but he saw what you guys were doing. And that night came home and said to me, hey, I could do with talking to you. Like there's some stuff going on, which I'd like to open up about. Do you know what I mean? So the beauty of it is even though we probably, I don't know, during, during that time we cut, I don't know, X hundred guys hair and I'm sure they came along and they got a bunch of value from that. But then the noise, the osmosis and the noise that made, right? And raising the awareness of telling guys like, you should open up, you should talk, all that kind of stuff. Take the weight off, going back to the deload thing. I'm so, so, so proud of that, honestly. Like, and people quote it to me all the time. I don't know how aware you guys are of Can, like Can Lions. Um, they give out the, the most prestigious marketing awards. We don't really do that because we don't 
kind of need to with an agency. But we had like multiple people from Can Message and be like, please submit that for an award because like we're telling you it's going to win. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that was really cool. We didn't actually do it because we don't do this stuff for awards to do it because we think it helps our community and we just want to be seen as sincere as possible. But yeah, that was dope, man. And that, that's the kind of stuff that when I'm an old man, right, and I'm looking back over my life and whatever else, I'll be really proud that a company that I was a part of um, was able to do stuff like that. Hundred percent, man. You have, you have definitely have a ton to be proud of, but that's definitely something that uh, you know goes beyond building a brand. It goes beyond you know fitness and and athleisure. You you hit a very interesting point. I want to ask you about something that I now talk to my friends about all the time. We live in an era, especially in America. I don't know about the UK, where. The definition of a man, the definition of masculinity is is rapidly going through, I think, a change phase. I don't think anybody has an answer of like where it's headed, but there's obviously something going on, on you know, in the underbelly where this is changing. How have you seen the definition of masculinity change through your time at Gymshark? And I don't mean in the company, I mean in the outside world. Great question. I feel like it feels like a pendulum swinging from side to side. I feel like at the start it was the biggest dudes with the biggest muscles. Then it was almost kind of like it's not cool to be masculine anymore and actually you should sort of dis discard masculine or traditionally masculine qualities. And now I can't help but feel like it's coming back as well, right? And like there's a reason that stoicism keeps rearing its head now, right? By definition, the Stoics have been around for a very, very long time, right? Marcus Aurelius isn't new news, but there's got to be a reason why the Daily Stoic and these books about, like, the rugged individual are, like, coming back around now and everyone's following these Stoic quotes and whatever else. And I honestly think it's probably because young men out there need it. Do you know what I mean? They need something to sort of look towards and they need someone to tell them, actually, no, like, sometimes times are tough and sometimes you just have to bite down on your gum shield and push through it. Do you know what I mean? So... Like I said, I kind of feel like it was here, then it went over there, and now it's kind of swinging back again. And I honestly think the happy, the right answer is probably somewhere in the middle. But as ever with the world, it doesn't kind of work out that way. Do you know what I mean? So we probably will just do a bit more back and forth thing. What, 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 what's your guys' take? What made you pick up on that particular line? I just hold on before Mina, you, you're talking that. I just want to say, Noel, you are the king of analogies, my man. Um, I don't sweat. Mayweather, like, let's keep it going. And okay. every every time we ask you a question, if there's not an analogy, we're gonna retake that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Alex. Alex loves analogies, and he loves. He calls them nuggets. He calls them golden nuggets. Oh, nuggets so he I he love the end the of this, right? You just said, you just laid the bar down. I'm going to get an Aladdin analogy in by the end of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. hey, all right, I'm dude, gonna, they're I'm, easy. I'm they're gonna, easy. They're easy. Di diamond do, in the rough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I, no, yeah. I won't no, lead you. I won't lead you into that. No layups. You, no layups. All right. Meet up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I think our world is definitely, or our society, especially in America. Um, yeah. I think people are struggling with identity. I think people are struggling to find themselves in the world. I think the world is becoming so noisy now with social media and, you know, people putting on the, the, the most perfect image of their life, right? Like I find myself going on social media and going, and I catch myself thinking this, but I go, man, my life is, my life is shit. Like these people's lives are so perfect. Like, damn, they're like, getting ice cream and, and it, you know what I mean? Just like the simplest stuff. And I'm like, and then I yeah. go, wait a second, wait a second. 
that's that's the image they're portraying to the world. That's not actually their full life. And I feel like there's a lot of people that aren't as cerebral, maybe that aren't as aware that really start believing that shit that really start believing like this is what my life needs to be like. My life is less than because of all of this. And I think that bleeds into identity as well of like, well, who am I? You know, why do I not feel special in the world? Why do I not feel like myself? And so I do feel like there's an identity crisis in this country. I, you know, in in you know maybe the Western world, I think there's an identity crisis going on. I think more than any other time in history, where people are struggling to find who they are, what they stand for, what their purpose is in life. How do they identify? Like I, I. I grew up in a really Christian household and I, I used to go to church like three times a week and it was a community thing. It wasn't like, a, you yeah. know, but I feel like now when I was, when I was like, as I was growing up, it was like, well, being religious, religious isn't that cool. So maybe don't identify yourself with religion. And then it was like, well, you know, being ethnic is a cool. So maybe don't identify yourself with like having a cultural ethnic background. Like you're just, you're, you're American or whatever. And I think now that's bleeding into like, it's bleeding into everything, right? We Some people aren't identifying with gender anymore. So now it's like, we're, we're not gonna identify with gender. And so it's like religion, ethnicity, gender. If you don't have any of that stuff to identify with, then, then like, then what what do you identify with? Do you know what I mean? And 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 the question becomes: Is it a, is it important to identify with anything at all? Like maybe it's just not important to identify with anything at all. You have to ask yourself that question as a human being and as a as a person in the world. So um, that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. I went on a rant no, there. No, I know what you're saying. No, I, yes, it was a good rant, man. I was, you're happy there for a minute. But like, maybe you <laughs> probably the thing I'm proud. of, the social media generation for because people seem to sort of rag on the social media generation all oh, these damn kids all they care about is tiktok or whatever it is right certainly in the uk i'm not so sure this can be applied to the us or canada you guys can tell me but meaning you spent some time in the uk so you can you can fill me in i feel like what what britain used to be tea and crumpets and do you know what i'm saying like i feel like <laughs> I remember an American guy, come, one of my American friends coming here and saying to me, um, not I was surprised by how diverse the UK is. He was like, I thought this is where they made white people, which really made me laugh when he said that. Um, but I'm really proud of the way the UK can kind of evolve and, and adopt new cultures and different immigrants from different backgrounds and stuff like that. The, the key example I'll give you is like when Freddie Mercury moved here as Farouk Balsara, right? He was a gay immigrant in the 1950s. Can you imagine the sort of adversity that he faced, right? Today, Freddie Mercury is like a picture of Britain. Do you know what I'm saying? When you see that that famous image who stood there at Wembley with his with the crown in the air, it's like quintessential Britishness. But what an amazing rebrand that is. Do you know what I'm saying? To go from yeah. to go from the UK probably shunning him when he first arrived and when you watch the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, you see them shunning him to adopting him with open arms and then holding him up as this like champion of Britishness. I'm like, that's so cool. And now I don't know how you guys are with grime music, but like Stormzy, when Stormzy came out at Glastonbury in a, a Banksy like bulletproof vest thing with the Union Jack painted on the front, I remember seeing that and everybody going crazy for him and loving it. I was like, wow, this is our new Freddy. This is, do you know what I'm saying? And then just the other day I saw Skepta uh, 
for walking uh, was at the Met Gala for Burberry. And again, I'm like, here it is again, skeptics of like his, uh, his Nigerian heritage, right? His parents, uh, his first generation English and Burberry there outfitted him, right? For the Met Gala, it was like, that's a picture of Britain now. And people like Burberry are holding that up as like quintessential Britishness. So again, I'm not sure if it's in America, but I'm really proud of my country at least for like taking on immigrants and people from different cultures and backgrounds, assimilating them into what this new version of the UK looks like. I'm, I'm genuinely, genuinely super proud of it. Well, no, I can say Canada is the same way. I mean, I think Canada is one of the most diverse uh, countries in the world and it, it, it embraces culture beautifully. But what, what was your connection to that with social media? Because you were saying that you're proud of the social media culture, but like Freddie, for example, at his time, there was no social media. So what, do you, what are you proud of? It was the fact that you you mentioned like there was a point where you felt like uh, it wasn't cool to be considered religious or ethnically diverse or whatever else, where it was like now, like burner boy is over here absolutely killing it afrobeats music is in the charts everywhere and he is so fiercely and unapologetically african do you know what i mean and he holds that up all the time and the uk loves him for it so i'm saying i'm almost like i know what you mean about that thing at the start of the social media generation where everything was hashtag insta goals and i think it was basically trying to force us all to look the same and act the same and do the same things and post the it was all like coveting at first wasn't it it was all like in the era of like jay alvarez and his girlfriend and he was all like abs and beaches in the Seychelles and whatever else whereas now I feel like what makes you cool now is how ridiculously individual you are do you know what I'm saying like um and like Burner Boy and Skepta and those guys I feel like we're just some of my like prime examples of that where now it's actually really cool to just be who you are do you know what I mean so yeah again the pendulum is swinging pendulum again swinging again there you go exactly there's an analogy um man no, <laughs> you, you, we've only been recording this for what for 30 minutes or so and it seems like um if I could summarize uh, just some of these insights that you shared is that you are really good at like just social listening or not only that just like observing trends um and then you said human truths universal human truths right how like and this is probably just like a marketing 101 question but uh, is this a, an innate curiosity you have or of observing everything across multiple disciplines and genres and then you take that and extrapolate it into your marketing campaigns like man you are so dialed in I've got no idea. Genuinely, I'm not sure. It, it it does it does feel a little bit innate. I feel like I've kind of been obsessed with culture for a long time, whatever that culture is. Do you know what I mean, I love when I see somebody else who's really interested in something. I don't even care if I'm interested in that thing. If I meet someone who's like, yo, bro, archery, man, I'm deep in archery. And I'm like, really? Why? Like, what? Talk to like, who are the big names in archery? What's that about? Why do you get excited? Like, I love that. Do you know what I'm saying? When I meet someone who's really passionate about a topic, and I think, like, I think growing up where I grew up, like in Birmingham, like it's, what uh, I mean, I don't know if you ever had the privilege of visiting Birmingham, but if not, you should. Um, but it's a super, super like multicultural place. Like my my uh, my family are all Irish descent. Uh, I was at my best friend's wedding. I want growing up, we probably had like three best friends. One of us, I, I was like the Irish one. Uh, the, one of the other guys was Nigerian. One of the other guys was Punjabi or Sikh, right? And we were at his wedding last week, and it was. Just, I don't know if you've ever been to a Sikh wedding or Sikh, as they call it in America. It's yeah. five days. It is chaos. It is the biggest party you've ever seen. I absolutely love it. I'm spending the whole time there hanging out with the aunties, trying to better understand Punjabi because I can understand little bits of it, but not a ton. But then similarly, at like my African friends' weddings, I'm trying to speak Nigerian Yoruba with his aunties and whatever else. So I feel like from early, I just got exposed to culture. And I remember the first time I heard the term white privilege and it was a weird, it was a weird moment for me. Because I remember, I think for a lot of people like that, you kind of, you don't realize how privileged you are until somebody points it out to you. But I feel like I had a, 
different kind of privilege growing up, which was the fact that growing up in like a uh, a very working class background, a lot of immigrant friends, stuff like that, it didn't feel like we were the privileged ones. But now in later life, I definitely feel like it was because the amount of doors that has unlocked for me is wild. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, I got, I went, I went to Wimbledon recently. I was invited by Meta to go to Wimbledon, got to do the whole centre court thing. It was all very fancy. I randomly happened to get sat next to the guy who runs Facebook for India. Um, and we got to talking about uh, an artist who really sadly passed away there called Sidhu Muswala. Um, and we were chatting about that. And this guy looked at me like, what the hell? How does this go- uh, white guy, how does this white guy know about Sidhu Muswala? That's wild. You know what I mean? But like the, the way I can interact with people and connect with them on a cultural basis because of that upbringing that I had has been like a phenomenal tool for me in later life. So I feel like I grew up with like a different kind of privilege as well, which was being exposed to all these different cultures, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. It's uh, and you talk about you know the white privilege, and there's so many different types of privileges out there. It's like geographical privilege, like the way you, where you were born, right, can really dictate your your, your life. Um, male privilege, right? There's three men here on the call, and male privilege really opens up doors, which I think is a nice segue to another question we have, which is some of these campaigns, Leanna Deeb, which is phenomenal. Um, I think it's a first of its kind ever. Uh, massive yeah, fan so. of that massive fan that you actually used a fabric in that out of, out of home. I don't know how you did that. We got to talk about all that. All right. But, um, and then women's sports, there's a huge and important wave of celebrating female athletes, female influencers, female team led organizations. How are you addressing this? Um, you probably have a lot of great ideas up your sleeve on how, you know, Jim shark wants to address this, but I'm curious on your take on that. Yeah. hundred percent. So the, that that billboard man the stress to make that billboard look right was it's so hard and like again to any like would-be marketeers out there sometimes these causes are just willing to fight for do you know what i mean like if you don't know liana is just like liana's just one of the most incredible women i've ever met in my life and like she's one of the fastest growing influencers on the well, fitness influencers or and influencers on the planet she's she's like on a journey with islam and she's recently started wearing the hijab and that was like a new thing for her it was big news and i think that was both some people sort of not rejected her for it but probably moved away from her because of that reason because they felt like they didn't really resonate with her anymore but as you can imagine a lot of like hijabi women out there felt even drawn even closer to her right so i think any good brand and talent deal in 2023 has to be authentic right and you have to go on this journey with your people so this idea of as part of our every strong belongs campaign putting liana on a billboard and really making a thing of the fact she's wearing a hijab not hiding away from it in the slightest and actually putting the physical hijab over the top of her was such an incredible idea and by the way i'm not i'm not big up myself when i say that i think a lot of cmos and and, and business people come on here and talk about oh, all my great ideas like no i don't do any of that i sit in a i sit in a meeting room and do boring stuff like budgets and approve do you know what i mean next year's plans it's the geniuses at jim shark that make the work come to life so that's their work not mine but i think there is a job of those leaders to do to set up a culture where they feel they can bring ideas out to the table when i first saw that mock-up of that billboard i was like yo i'm so here for that that's amazing um but pulling it off nightmare and at first it looked terrible and you know what i mean but whenever you're breaking new ground and you're trying to do something people haven't done before it's always going to be tough so that was really really worth it the women's sports thing i agree with you it's a huge conversation at the moment team sports aren't really a thing for jim shark you might notice that men's or women's we don't really do the team sport thing that's kind of not what we're built on we're born out of the gym we're born out of this thing of like the individual pursuit do you know what i mean and like what you can do for yourself but with that in mind we do get involved in some sports where it's an individual so like boxing for example we sponsor francis Ngannou, heavyweight champion of the ufc and now obviously going off to fight tyson fury in the the battle for the baddest motherfucker on the planet and they're having in saudi soon which should be cool uh, but we also sponsor and again 
for any of your listeners, I will always tell this story because I want more people to know about it. Katie Taylor, she's the um, she's from Dublin in Ireland. Katie, when she first got into boxing, women weren't allowed to box in Ireland. So she used to scrape her hair back and they'd put the sparring helmet on her first and she would enter fights as Kane Taylor, right? And she'd go in there and just beat the shit out of guys, right? And she was like, and she had this like incredible journey as a as, as a boxer. The the Olympic Commission, the Olympic Commission, the Olympic Committee, whatever their official title is, yeah. saw the rise of Katie in Ireland, saw how well she was doing. They made women's boxing an Olympic sport because they wanted Katie to compete in the Olympics, right? Which was just a phenomenal thing. So she single-handedly carried women's boxing on her back. She's a Gymshark athlete, by the way. We sponsor her, I should say that. So um, she managed to get women's boxing into the Olympics. Then she won gold at the Olympics, right? Now she's like run through everybody in boxing. She's won like all the belts at one weight class. And then she just recently stepped up to try and take some belts on another. So you could probably hear in parallels here right to another irish combat star who did the exact same thing well actually kind of did less really because he didn't have to get let into the ufc in conor mcgregor now they've done very very similar things multiple belts multiple weight classes whatever else but i bet you guys have never heard katie's name right so stuff like that like we're trying to put her on as much as possible we we go back to ireland after our last fight we had we had her um do a a 5k run around dublin and we invited all the girls from local boxing schools out to come and see her because this word gets this term gets used a lot in terms of diversity and inclusion, but I think it can be used for so many other things. But if you can see it, you can be it, right? So for those girls, you can imagine to go for a run with Katie, who holds all the titles, who got a gold in the Olympics for the country, all that kind of stuff. For them to be able to literally go on a run alongside her through the streets of Dublin, that's like someone running through uh, running through the streets with Muhammad Ali. Do you know what I mean? So well, hopefully one day it'll be a whole other generation of young female boxers. All because one day Jim Shard decided to put on this event where you could go for a run with Katie Taylor. So yeah, man, we do our bit as always. I wish we could do more, but I think the stuff we always do do is really, really authentic, and you know we'll, we'll always fight to do as much as we can. Do you think you'll keep this? Do you think you'll keep this kind of avant-garde approach, even though you get bigger and bigger? Because I feel like you've been able to take risks that bigger companies may have not wanted to touch because they might have been like well, I don't know, this might upset some people, so let's not do that, or let's just make sure we make everybody happy. But you guys are really taking, you know, you're taking risks because, yeah, like the hijab campaign, who knows? Like, you you don't, there's no way to know if that's going to upset certain people, alienate certain people, what it's like. I ultimately think it's genius, and it's the right thing to do because Leanna wanted to do it. Um, so... Do you think that you kind of, I don't want to say being a smaller company because $1.5 billion is still massive, but being, uh, uh, you yeah, know, the company that, out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, know yeah, being the company that you are really allows you to take more risks. I think luckily we, we, we sort of aim our marketing and our, our brand at what we call the social native. So you, you've heard of people called refer to people as the digital natives right? who came up with like computers and stuff but we're actually a touch younger than that so we're probably the social native thankfully that generation seems to really buy into this stuff do you know what I mean you just called it meaning you said it's the right thing to do there are plenty of people older than you who are like that's not the right thing to do brands shouldn't get involved in conversations like that or brands shouldn't champion that whatever else but the generation that us three are a part of and then the ones that come after us they've shifted their views on this so I like to think that as long as we're doing right by them we can't really go too far wrong do you know what I mean and if if some more traditional older consumers out there don't think gym sharks for them well that's fine man there's, there's tons of brands you can buy from do you know what i mean we don't mind that so yeah we we, we stand by what we believe it also helps that we're a private company right like ben our founder 
owns the whole thing. So no shareholders to 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 do right by, no Wall Street, no none of that stuff. Do you know what I mean? So you're right. We probably can be a bit braver, but anybody. Uh, yeah. But when you guys sent me sort of the the email over about this, I remember you, there was a line somewhere. Was, We'd love to hear if there's any brands that you guys are inspired by. Go and look up Ben and Jerry's. Anybody out there? Go and look up Ben and Jerry's and what those guys do in terms of standing by what they believe in. Because you wouldn't expect it from an ice cream brand, but yo, those guys are wild. <laughs> like they'll get like arrested at like protests and stuff. Like the founders of the really. Company. Yeah. yeah, man. Look after this. Go look at Ben and Jerry's. Those guys are dope. I love what they do. And can you can you can you expand on that a little bit more, just for the listeners here who don't, who don't have the context? I, I, again, I'm a huge fan of Ben and Jerry's. It, it's just it reminds me of the whole uh, quote: "Stand for something." Yeah, I don't know anything about it, so please, well, please. It, I, I, I don't want to do it a disservice by not filling in the details properly. But again, I want everyone to go and do their homework, do some googling. Yeah. But there's literally been moments where I think. It's one of the founders. I can't remember which one. Like it sounds so stupid. I don't know if it's Ben or it's Jerry. But one of them has been like, like Black Lives Matter and some other issues that they were personally invested in have gone out there, seriously getting involved, like in the streets. Do you know what I'm saying? Not writing checks to causes that I mean, going out there and getting involved, and even getting arrested and stuff in places. But it's like love them or hate them, you know what they stand for. Do you know what I mean? So you have to admire their audacity. Now I don't know if we'll ever go that far. I don't know if you'd ever see me in handcuffs on 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 the news. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But it's it's yeah it's something to aspire towards, and I love their I love how much they stand by what they believe in as a business. Like I think we need businesses like that, and again, that's something that you should be proud of the social media generation for as well. They, it's no longer just this thing, this relationship between consumers and companies where it's like I give you cash, you give me product. Now people are like, yeah, but why would I spend my cash with you? What do you stand for? Do you know what I'm saying? Let me who who sits behind your company? Like, is it some nameless corporation or what? What are your values? Do you know what I mean? So you kind of have to be proud of them for wanting to know. Are you ten toes down? Are you here for what I stand for, or are you just some nameless corporation? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember. I remember studying this in uh, in university uh, when I was uh, studying business uh, at York University. Shout out York U, uh, and in marketing, like one hundred and one about like civil regulation and how the, there's like a pie of expectation from uh, from the consumer of like it was a small piece of the pie of CSR efforts, ESG, whatever you call it, right? Now that piece of the pie is massive. It, like to it, your point, right? What's the what's your purpose? What do you stand for? What are you investing in from a social perspective? Because if you Google Ben and Jerry's, the first thing that pops up is like dismantle white supremacy, or silence is not an option. Like those are some of the key things that pop up right away. I don't know if it's su- substantial SEO investment or, <laughs> or something of that accord. Uh, and for listeners, SEO search engine optimization, but. Um, can you walk us through uh, your purpose-driven, uh, just a little bit more of your purpose-driven approach? Because you were adhering to multiple body types, ethnic backgrounds. Um, historically, gym brands are for like one type, one body type, the most fit person. It, exactly. Look at everybody. He just flexed those those massive biceps on this. His <laughs> 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 biceps. Yeah. Um, we have a we have like a mission statement internally, right? Which we don't really communicate this externally, but. Like one of our mission statements is we want to inspire as many people as we can to step up to the bar and raise it, right? Now, again, king of analogies or whatever you called me earlier on, stepping up to the bar and raising it can mean a plethora of things, but obviously the main one being getting to the gym, lift some weights, right? But if you go back to that first people, as many people as we can, right? If that's truly is your mission, you can't afford to exclude people. Do you know what I mean? Like you need as many people as you can. And then if we go back to that line I said earlier about if you can see it, you can be it, then if we exclusively showed certain body types and nothing else then people are going to think oh man that's not a brand for me do you know what I mean so 
for those who don't know, when we opened our flagship store on Regent Street in London, in the UK, that's like our Fifth Avenue or Paris's Champs-Élysées or whatever. Um, we scanned real humans, real members of our community. We 3D scanned them and then had them made as mannequins in our store um, with like real, because it, and, and you only really see, when, again, when you guys are in Regent Street, please drop in and take a look at them. When you see a real person as a mannequin, you, you know, only then do you realize how like weird regular mannequins are. They're these odd shapes that look like some sort of alien Abe's Odyssey, really thin, no real proportions, like long faced things. And then when you see like a real human, like the ones in our store, like there's, there's females deadlifting with like proper childbearing hips. Do you know what I mean? There's an above the knee amputee. There's a guy in a wheelchair doing like a, with like a kettlebell over his head. These are real humans from our community that we put in. And again, it's that idea that even in our mannequins and in every touch point with Gymshark, there should be some sort of way that you can see yourself in that. Do you know what I mean? Or maybe even not yourself, or maybe the person you didn't expect to see in that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, man, we do like. If, you, if we're gonna if we're gonna grow this brand, if we're gonna inspire as many people as we can to step up to the bar and raise it, then we've got to show as many people as we can that this can be a brand for them. And after that, diversity and inclusion, this purpose-driven thing that we do, these initiatives that we get involved in, they're all just sort of part of a course and just you know another step on the way to doing it. I gotta say, Noel, I didn't know much about Jim Shark before our conversation, but um, I have a ton of respect for you guys. Because as you're saying this, you know, I'm, I'm going back to my own experience and you're totally right because when I bought those strainers, it wasn't, it, I didn't look like the guys that you typically see wearing strainers, right? Like I wasn't diced and massive and wanted to show off my massive lats and that wasn't it. But for me, it was a symbol that I was confident enough finally to wear them right that was really the important thing about me buying the strainers it represented a moment in my life where i felt all right i'm confident enough to wear this it doesn't matter that i'm not as huge it doesn't matter that i'm not as ripped but i'm now confident enough to wear this and so i think that's basically what your brand represents and stands up for which which i think is amazing i want to start to kind of bring this back to you the man noel but before i do that if there's people out there starting their own company or starting their own business, which I've done and it's incredibly difficult. What's kind of the number one advice you would give them when it comes to the focus on their brand identity? Um, because that's a very difficult thing. Like even with Dharma Jin, right? Like we're always evaluating like, okay, well, what is our identity? Like, why are we doing this? What's our purpose? All that kind of stuff. What What's, what's a good piece of advice that you can give um, new brands? Um, that's a great question. I think it's really, really subjective, but I think my honest thing would be, I think don't be afraid to be too niche and just, and just stand for what you stand for and then go with it. I think it's really tempting to when, when the sales aren't quite going how you like, or when stuff's a bit, mm, is that it? Uh, and you start rethinking it and second guessing yourself, second guessing why you started the thing in the first place second guessing your logo and your tone of voice and the way you do things you know i mean stands the chance if you love it at the start and you've sort of scratched your own itch for something that you love there will be enough people out there to love it in the same way do you know what i mean who knew that who knew that gaming was going to become what it became like when people started off gaming youtubers that like watching somebody else play a game that would have seemed like the most niche thing in the world and now look at us i remember being on a call with an agent uh talking about some talent a few years back and then as we were finishing the call he said oh no by the way uh, if you're interested, I also represent the top four slime influencers in the world. And I was like, the top four what? 
and he was like slime influencers and I had to be like I'd so obviously I started out at the time I went oh yeah I'll let you know man and then I had to go away and google slime what the fuck does he mean <laughs> and it was this weird you guys might have seen it, this trend that the kids are doing where they like put something else and something else together and you create slime and you create like different versions you might do like a white one with a gold glitter in and then a silver one with a blue glitter in but there were these kids with like millions and millions and millions of followers slime influencers showing you how to make different kinds of slime who the hell would have thought that was do you know what I mean like widespread enough to do what it did um, so some, I think some of the coolest brands in the world have been born out of somebody scratched their own itch and look what it became do you know what I mean so yeah don't second guess yourself um, like if you try and if you try and be everything to everyone you're probably going to end up being nothing to everyone mm. yeah you, you, like, you like that Alex I tried oh, to I, I tried to think of an Aladdin one but it, I didn't get that <laughs> oh, man I know that was good that was cold man <laughs> Listen, let us know when the rap album comes out, brother, because you got some <laughs> some bars. Yeah, you got bars, brother. Uh, uh, sorry, and sorry, we're going all o- all over the place. We got to find a way to make this transition better with our editor. Um, I, w- I was I was finding a way, but Alex just keeps having questions. You're gonna ask some more questions about marketing. <laughs> Go for it, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Vito. We're gonna we're gonna boomerang this back to you. Um, but I do. I'm just I'm really curious about Hella. Um, and it, just, and then even a step back further, like Hella was like the first or second, uh, African-American man to run across all of the U S um, one, like it, it's amazing to see the diverse portfolio of athletes that you sponsor. And then I think this leads to the main question here, which is how do you identify these people, influencers to sponsor and these incredible stories that you profile with your existing global platform to give them a voice, which is essentially the, the goal of this podcast, right? There's parallels there. Um, how do you identify them, man? It's not easy. I'll be honest with you. Um, so yeah, for the record, Hella was the first African-American guy to run from LA to New York. So big shout out to Hella, absolute legend. We, um, we, we, he didn't know this one of you guys know who Casey Neistat is, right? Um, Hella was the biggest Casey Neistat fan ever and obviously you can't run in New York without mentioning Casey Neistat he is Mr. Run the Streets of New York so he didn't know this but we surprised him we paid Casey to go out meet him in New Jersey and run back into the Manhattan the the YouTube video is incredible check it out if you don't get uh, get a chance and the other cool thing was it was when Casey had moved to LA and he hadn't been on YouTube for like a year and we brought him back to YouTube back to New York to run and finish this run with Hella so yeah it was an incredible moment um but yeah, how do we identify them? Honestly, I wish I had like the the Gymshark guide to identifying really cool stories. I think it kind of comes down to the fact that to the point that Mina made earlier, like we're small enough to be agile, but we're big enough to be able to cut checks for people to be able to get to be able to get Katie Nice that involved in moments like that, right? And to do some of these bigger budget things, it's kind of a real nice sweet spot. Do you know what I mean? Because if you go too far the other way, you might go for the smaller brands that can be agile, but they don't really have the dollars to back it. You know what I'm saying? You go too far the other way and it's, well, the brands are big enough, but they've got to run it through their managers, 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 and the whole thing just takes forever and slows down and whatever else. So it's kind of a perfect sweet spot. And because once you've done one or two things like this, I think it attracts the names after that. Do you know what I mean? Like Francis Ngannou famously like doesn't get along with anybody, right? Like in terms of like, he's like, you don't own me. You can't tell me what to do. Like, his relationship with the UFC was a really interesting one. He was like, no, you can't, you cannot tell me what to do or do my own thing. Trust me. Like this is a guy that's made his way from sand mines 
across Europe into France where he was homeless. And then he, he admits that for his first four fights in the UFC, he didn't know the rules. He just knew he had to get in there and be the guy off. Which <laughs> then he goes on to be the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. And then someone tries to tell him, no, you can't fight Tyson Fury. And he goes, you want to bet? Watch me. And now he's doing that in Saudi Arabia and getting an absolute bag for it. Do you know what I mean? So Francis is somebody that famously doesn't want to work with anybody else or, or really get along with him if they try and tell him what to do or try and make money on his name or whatever else yet he's been sponsored by Gymshark for years because he just he just messes with us and likes our mentality and likes the way we do things do you know what I'm saying so when you've got a reputation like that for the Leanna Billboard for David Lade for Hella for supporting Francis Ngannou in, in his, his his quest to fight Tyson Fury like the people can like they make their way towards us do you know what I mean and then like I said earlier I like to think that me and Ben and some of the other leaders here at Gymshark foster a, a culture where you can bring stories out to the table. Do you know what I mean? And you're not going to get laughed out of the park. And it might be, listen, this might not make all the millions of dollars, but you better know it's going to make a hell of an impact to a lot of these kids' lives. And then we're open to hear stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And if we agree and if we're on board, then it happens. And yeah, it kind of goes full circle then. Do you know what I mean? And like we say, it's just, it's it's setting up a culture of like, um, I don't know, inclusivity and openness and stuff like that. Like we always say best idea wins. It's not the person with the fantasy's job title who comes up with the best idea. It's whoever comes up with the best idea. Do you know what I'm saying? So if you're a 19-year-old intern and you've seen something dope on TikTok and you think we could make a global campaign out of it, let's hear it, man. I sit at the same desk as everybody else. We don't have a corner office. There's no there's no reserved parking spaces for anybody, you know what I mean, with a fantasy job title or any of that stuff. So yeah, man, I think it's... Um, I don't think there's one answer. I think there's there's no 100% answer to that question. There's loads of tiny little 1% answers to that question. Well, I love yeah. that. Thanks for sharing that. It's it sounds like you're a very inclusive external focus, but also internal environment, which is actually a question we had. So that's it's amazing that uh you you know you adopt that and adhere to that internally. All right, Mina. Sorry about that, man. Back over to you. No no worries, man. You guys gotta geek out on marketing. I know. I know it's marketing geek talk. It's all good. <laughs> um so no no Mac the person, the the man, the individual I want to ask you what success means to you, especially after you've gotten so much success, right? Because I know for me personally, success means one thing before you achieve it. It means something completely different after you've achieved it. What does success mean to you now? And what's the what's the thing that drives you? Like, what, what are you working towards now in your life? First of all, damn. I'm honored that someone as successful as you said that I've had success. That's very that's very humbling because I kind of don't feel like I have yet personally. But again, maybe that's one of the curses of being ambitious is you never really feel like you got there. Do you know what I mean? We we do a lot of work with Gary Vaynerchuk and I remember something Gary said which really smacked me in the face is where he was like, he said, he was, he was like, if your happiness comes from making $2,000 a month and out of like your own candles that you make in the spare room in your apartment he was like I'm so jealous he said because for whatever reason I can't be that happy with that he said I want to own the New York Jets and he was like and I'm, I know I'm not going to be happy until I get there and like he was almost like I am genuinely wish I was in a position like you do you know what I mean and I, I don't think I'm as bad as Gary like Gary is obsessed like absolutely obsessed the guy is the busiest man I've ever met and he's just horrendously ambitious which I love about him but I don't think I'm as bad as that but I do think it's a, um, I think success, I think when you're younger, it's like a pie chart and you think it's like 50% money and 50% like status, do you know what I mean? And then I think as you get older, you realize, oh wow, it's nowhere near that. It's so much more about happiness, do you know what I mean? Um, I recently read that book, Ikigai. I don't know if you guys have read it, but it is like, oh man, listen, there's there's another piece of homework. I know I keep dishing out homework for you guys and the listeners. <laughs> this, book is, this book is incredible. Right? I'll give you the, I'll give you the TLDR 10 second rundown. 
it started as a study into blue zones. Blue zones are the places in the world where people live the longest, right? So uh, the 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 place on the planet with the most centenarians, I think, or centurions, whatever you want to call them, people over the age of 100, yep. is Okinawa in Japan. So they go there. And it's an island to- off of Japan. It's a small yeah. island in Japan, yeah. They go there and they're talking to them about, you know, is it your food? Is it your diet? Is it your training regime? What is it? And there was a bunch of stuff like that, but they keep mentioning the word ikigai as well. And they're saying, and it's my ikigai and saying, what is ikigai? And basically they talk about the fact that your ikigai is, it's if you imagine a Venn diagram with four circles, right? And it's like something that you love, something that you're good at, something that you can be paid to do and something that the world needs from you, right? And if you can find that, the, the center of that thing, something that you love, you're good at, you can be paid for and the world needs from you, then you've arrived basically you've got you've got your stuff figured out do you know what i mean and this is why they never retire there because they're like if you find something like that why the hell would you want to stop doing it do you know what i mean you're only you're only going to want to stop doing it if either no one wants to pay you to do it anymore or you're no good at it do you know what i mean or you don't love it but if you've got one of those things don't stop doing it and that and that that purpose that getting up with a reason to get up every morning is the thing that keeps them getting up every morning do you know what i mean so um i think success to me means doing something like that being able to wake up every morning and doing something that i absolutely love do you know what i mean like this gym shark thing's journey being able to talk to you about some of these anecdotes these these keynotes that i give and these these people that i get to put up on a pedestal from francis and garnu to katie taylor and whatever else is something that man if nobody wanted to pay me to do this guess what i would fucking do it for free do you know what i'm saying so that i think these days that is what success looks like to me it's doing something that i love to do every single day that's great man that's a great Great answer. I'll accept, um, that, and I'll, then I'll accept that analogy, by the way. You're, you're going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the last couple of things I want to close up with are one, um, mentorship, which is something that I've been thinking a lot about. I don't, I don't, I don't think I have a lot of mentors in my life. I wish I had more. Um, is mentorship important to you and how much has it contributed to where you are in your life or are you kind of a lone wolf kind of guy that we were talking about earlier like stoicism lone wolf yeah w- which spectrum do you fall into i think i was a bit of a lone wolf earlier on but i felt i felt, I felt like i hit a little bit of a plateau and then to keep going i had to find people that could help me advance on the journey but i don't think i felt like one individual mentor and i was like oh yeah man big shout out to john like he helped you know what i mean like i've got like a personal boardroom if you like and i've got my guy who I go to for that and I've got my girl who I go to for that and I've got my other guy who I go to for that do you know what I mean and love like like experts in different regions who are really deep into different things who I probably reference do you know what I mean like I, I definitely know that my work ethic and my drive came from my dad and my granddad and then around that I've got different people for different things do you know what I mean people who give me honest I think the commonality with most of those people is they're willing to like call me out on my shit when I'm being a dick do you know what I mean and just tell me no you're fucking up man you need to do better do you know what I mean so yeah I think mentors have become more of a thing to me in recent times than they were in the past you're the second person in two days that we've sat down and talked with that have mentioned a personal boardroom and having your own like personal board of directors so that's something really interesting um, that that's been really resonating with me I want to finish up with um, finally the, the, the one thing that people attribute a lot of their um life to uh you know because it's it's valid experiences what are what are one or two experiences that you can that you can recall from your memory that have really shaped either who you are or what you do it could be at gymshark it could be just in life in general it could be at rebrand like what are one or two experiences that you think back on and go that's really like influence who i am and how i, I how i run my life 
I don't remember this one having the impact at the time, but I, if, I, I did some like, not therapy, but sort of therapy, and I kind of reverse engineered it to realize the impact it did have. When we were younger, we didn't have a ton of money, right? My dad was a police officer, and none of the police officers wanted to work on New Year's Eve or Christmas Day for obvious reasons. They wanted to be at home with their families, right? Which meant if my dad went to work, when everybody else went to be off, he would get paid double time, right? Or sometimes time and a half. But obviously, I remember him thinking, damn, I should probably explain to my son that I'm not going to be around on Christmas Day or whatever. So I remember from like the earliest days that I can remember, my dad sitting down with me, probably because he felt guilty and saying, hey, listen, son, I'm not going to be here Christmas Day, but here's how it works, right? The other dads don't want to work at this time, but they've probably got some more money than we have. So if we want to have more money, I have to go in and work then. But what that means is I can afford to buy you presents and da 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 And I'll be real, when I was a kid, I'm thinking, shit, as long as I've got presents, you can be where you want. I don't care. Do you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> in later life, I think I kind of, I think that the seed that sort of planted with me earlier was almost like, if you're willing to work when others aren't, then you can then you can kind of have the things that others don't. Do you know what I mean? Like you can advantage and you can be more efficient with your time. Um, and when I think about when I think about the the, the work ethic that I had at like twenty one, twenty two, around that age, ridiculous. Like the hours I was putting were absolutely ridiculous. I remember even my dad at one point being like, "You can't keep doing this. This is stupid." Like I didn't drink alcohol because I thought alcohol was conducive. Well, I still really don't, but conducive to like going out and spending money, and then that kills the next day for you and whatever else and i would just work 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 all the time still so you probably got a little bit poisonous a little bit too far but i definitely think as i look back on it and i'm honest with myself in later life that was a seed that was planted really early with me which led onto this yeah bordering on weird work ethic in later life Do you know i mean and some of that is still in me and i could play that card when i want to but now i think i'm just a little bit better at switching it off because i think sometimes when you realize what the problem is you can kind of get the problem in a headlock rather than the problem having you in a headlock if that makes sense so i think i've managed to unpack it a bit better than that nice nice man well listen that's um this has been amazing man it's been amazing to get to know you as as nomad the man it's been amazing to get to know jim shark as the company i i truly didn't know um all the incredible initiatives and 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 your approach i think the biggest thing is your approach right and i think what you said earlier really resonated with me that if you try to be everything to everyone you're gonna be nothing to no one um is that the saying exactly did i get did i mess it up you got it you got it <laughs> but yeah that really resonates with me because i think about that often as well as a as a brand in my own right you know actors whether it's a blessing or a curse we're kind of our own brands right like and so it's true uh, a lot of the times you try to be everything to everyone because you don't want to upset anyone and then you start to think like but what am I really like? Who am I really like if I'm just trying to please everybody? So thank you for that, man. It's been amazing getting to know you and getting to know Jim Shark. And congratulations on all the success. You are definitely have achieved success after success. I know you don't see it that way. Um, and, and, and I understand that. But um, congratulations on all the success, my man. Thank you, fellas. It was it was uh, it was an honor to be invited on. And also, by the way, the purpose of your podcast, like shining a light on diversity and inclusion, I also think is like an amazing in a world where like everyone has got a podcast. I think this is this is one of the reasons why I said, yeah, you know what, let's have that conversation because I feel like people don't do that normally. So you know, congrats to you guys for doing something so causeless. Well, that's really cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, fellas, have a great day. All right, you too. Thanks for tuning in and listening. 
Please subscribe, share, and join the journey of growth untold. Don't miss a single nugget. Hit that follow button now on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram.